Chapter 3 Consummation The barn still had the musty smell of its cows and sheep, and grand old Jacques, the proud black-and-white plough horse. Jacques was a magnificent creature, sturdy and patient. He had soldiered in the field, furrowing the ground for planting, hauling the wagon back and forth from the weekly Marché de la Ville in nearby Teepful's town square, heavy with its load of groceries and dry goods. Jacques and all of the barn's former occupants were gone now, in the bellies of soldiers or refugees, and the only remains in the barn were scatterings of hay and a smattering of rotten seed from four springs prior. On the remnants of hay, atop an olive-drab army blanket, they fucked. Her blue dress was pushed up, underwear still around one ankle. On the ground beside her, the white smock emblazoned with the blood-red cross signaling her status as a VAD nurse lay in a pile. Their eyes were shut, no intercourse occurring, just a brief, rough respite from all that awaited outside those barn doors, an escape for the both of them. Caitlin O'Leary had never considered her circumstances unfortunate enough to merit pity. She had grit to her. Experience taught her that well enough. She had borne up under everything that life had thus far smacked her in the teeth with. Bone-deep poverty and the British lion's brutal yoke on her homeland. A father, cursed by lineage and desire, with the Irishman's penchant for the bottle and the Jekyll and Hyde possession that affliction wrought in him. Her mother's ravenous cancer that sucked the marrow out of her bones and left her an empty husk in final hours. Bright hazel eyes staring out of a skull wrapped in delicate, translucent skin which seemed thinner and softer than damp tissue paper. The telegram about her brother Aidan's death on the battlefield at Arras in 15 had seemed par for the course, Yet Caitlin weathered all that and more without going crackers or falling into some everlasting broken-hearted despair. So the sensation of overwhelming terror that had begun visiting her in the nights did not sit well with her. When it started to visit her in quiet moments during the day, she knew that her steel spine was starting to fracture. Thus, she closed her eyes and fucked Finbar Kelly because although there was little joy to be found in the act, he was the one piece of Ireland which she could physically touch and hold fast to. And in that, there was an escape from the demons that haunted her. It was serving as a momentary off-switch to the chaos that had gotten its teeth into her, and like the boa constrictor she saw in a jippo travelling circus as a child, was making his way up her body, consuming her piecemeal, a patient juggernaut that fed his hunger a millimeter at a time. Her coital partner, Finbar Kelly, was dashing in the Irishman's way, copper and criminal, waging an eternal battle for supremacy, finding in the fray that they were, in fact, one and the same. He was atop her, pants pulled down to his knees, lost in the act, still wearing the woolen army blouse of a sergeant of the Royal Irish Fusiliers. Life had come easy to Finn. Same as many other men, he was blessed with a conscience that he twisted off and on like a spigot. When it served him, he embraced every measure of feeling that there was, 
filled with love and hate, passion and Irish melancholy. When it did not serve his ends, he shut that tap off, or ran it to bone-chilling cold, cutting all feeling, enabling him to take a blow that would fell a lesser man, or give a relentless, remorseless savaging to whomever stood in his way. Today, that tap was locked off good and tight. The boa constrictor that was the front had its teeth in him too, and Finbard found that the best way to keep it at bay was to not allow any feeling, good or ill, to sway him. Fucking Caitlin was bringing enough dull pleasure to make him feel like a human being, even with the tap closed, and that was as close to feeling as he dared venture at present. They came in unison, but not together, and it was neither rapturous nor joyful. It was simply over. It left them both feeling hollowed out and spent, which was good enough because the sleep that enveloped them in the aftermath was silent and black and empty, and it stretched fifteen short minutes into a brief eternity. Caitlin swallowed a dram from Finbar's whiskey bottle. She set it back down beside his worn rucksack, her mind already somewhere beyond the barn and the fuck, back to the front before her body was forced to join her. Finbar was standing, a blur in her periphery, buttoning up his uniform blouse. His Irish baritone made a stream of consonants and vowels, but as the whiskey burned away in her chest cavity, she allowed them to be mush, not ready to let his words intrude. Caitlin, hey, you're deaf. I said if you heard anything from home, you're da. Caitlin. She did not respond, though the last had cut through. She straightened her apron, a breath, then back to the living. No, I haven't. What's the matter, girl? She saw the dead boy in her mind's eye. For a moment, he had a brother Aiden's ginger hair and mischievous grin. She shook it off. I don't know. Shrapnel in the dead boy's belly had cut his intestine in half. Blessing was, he had lost his nose and eyes, so he could not smell the shit and infection or see the pus. Such a funny thing. There was silence as she finished her buttoning. Feels like I've seen death and dying all my life, and plenty of it. My ma and then all them boys in the Easter uprising. Aiden. And it's never stopped me going forward. They've all hurt in their own way, you know. But I've never turned cold-hearted. I've always moved ahead regardless. But I sat last night with a cockney boy, changing out his bandages, his scalp, half his face gone. Finbar shrugged in disgust. Christ, though I've just left him in a field, or put one in his head for mercy's sake. Aye, they ought've, but they didn't. Caitlin picked up the bottle. She took another swallow. The dead boy had been smiling, and why not? All he felt was the double dose of morphine. He had reached out his hand, and Caitlin had taken it. I held his hand. I read fucking psalms to him until he was gone. The dead boy just lay there beside her, a broken, empty vessel, a clay pot that some feeble-handed gardener had shattered past repair on the cobbles, that now needed sweeping up dirt and plant and pot and all, to be dropped in a waste bin and dumped into a pit with all the other refuse. Caitlin cleared her throat. Not sure when he passed, but I felt his hand had gone cold, and that's all I felt. The temperature. <laughs> 
Everything else in me was numb, as if I was the one with intravenous morphine. I felt nothing. And that's when I knew that I've had my fill. That I'm done. Done? With what in particular? All of it. The whole bloody show. The cause. All of it. Fucking done. Finbar took the bottle from her. We drank. He marshaled his thoughts. Then, you know, I risked my life to get here. To see you. To deliver this. He picked up his rucksack and dropped it at her feet. It fell open, revealing a cache of Mills bomb hand grenades and assorted pistols. I risked my life again getting back to my company at the front without a proper fucking pass, so you may be done with me, but you'll be strong and do your bit for the cause. She shook her head. I don't think so. Finbar's glare sharpened. Then why'd you come today? If you're so fucking broken and done. I don't know. My habit. I shouldn't have. And I won't again. When Finbar grabbed her, it was neither hard nor fast. Yet it was violent all the same. Me pulled her up and pressed her against the wall, her chin in his hand. He forced her eyes up to meet his. If that fucking rock sack doesn't reach Counter Kildare with the captain's effects, I'll know. And we'll come find you and make sure you're well and truly done. This is bigger than you and your conscience and your shame and your broken fucking heart or head or whatever it is ails you. Do you understand me? Caitlin glared at him, defiant. His grip under her chin tightened. Do you fucking understand me? Caitlin choked down her defiance. She nodded, acquiescent. Good. Finbar released her. He stepped back. You all right? Caitlin nodded again. Sorry for the fisticuffs. Truly. We're all making sacrifices here, my darling. Blood sacrifices for a greater good. That brings out the beast and the best of us. Finbar picked up his bottle, had it pulled, and passed it to Caitlin. Caitlin's rage burned, but she choked it down with the whiskey. God's truth it does.